0: So that was a fun episode with Alex, right, David?
1: Uh, Yes. Yes, it was. Sorry, I can barely hear you. i got to put my other headphone on.
0: Oh, no, you're completely fine. Yeah, it was definitely a good episode. I, I think uh, in total it's like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, something like that. It's a juicy episode. It's definitely got a lot of information in there. And it's always nice to get a third opinion on things, you know?
1: Yeah, it's good to see it from different perspectives and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, another week down, another week to go, huh? Where are they having you for work these days? Same place. Ah. Okay, okay. So one of the locations that I went to for cleansing was a new development down in Lehigh. Very, very beautiful building, but it's so crammed in there. Like, they're they're just building those houses on top of each other. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Was it due to the client had something with them, or was it the actual land, or...?
0: It was the actual land, surprisingly, because before that whole place was developed, it used to be all farm fields and pasture. Interesting. Right? But it is Lehigh, though, so, I mean, that was the outskirts of Salt Lake and directly north of Provo, so... Who knows... What could have happened out there back in the day? True. Um, I bought something at the liquor store yesterday. Oh yeah,
1: uh, it's called the Howler Monkey. Hmm. It's actually really good. Okay. It's like a banana flavored whiskey.
0: Ooh. Banana flavored
1: yeah. whiskey. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I mean, it's whiskey. It's strong. It's like sixty proof, but like, it didn't like burn. Is it eighty? 60 or 80 proof. I think 80 mm. probably. Okay. Um, It didn't like burn going down your throat, which was mm. nice. And you mm. had the initial flavor of like banana, but it also didn't leave a bad aftertaste afterwards. Like once once it was done,
0: it was just gone and it was really nice. Okay. That's not bad at all. I'll have to take a look into that if you guys still have some. when Next time I come over, I'll have to give that a try. We'll There's see. There's been a... A few of them that were really good, and there's been a couple that's been really bad. Particularly that peanut butter one. one yeah, peanut
1: butter whiskey's interesting. I, you definitely got to mix it. Mm-hmm. But like the screwball one, I like. I don't know if you do it straight, it's interesting. We, I think Sadie likes it more than yeah. I do.
0: We need to go back to that restaurant so I can try that beer with the with the peanut butter shot.
1: Right. Yeah. It it's one of those things that. Shots is probably the best for it. Mm. Then, because whiskey, if whiskey's tough for sipping, like if I was gonna sip, it would had to be scotch, mm-hmm. and then whiskey's more of a, a, a shots thing. But I, I don't know, I, I can mix about anything to make it better.
0: Okay, yeah, because that one drink uh Sadie made the last time we were over was really good. It was like your go-to drink that you usually have her make. Was oh, it really the good?
1: pina colada sunrise thing?
0: Yeah, that was really yeah. good.
1: Because uh, I love pina colada, anything. Right. But it so, is the best drink.
0: Um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was at my cousin's wedding. And they actually had a wet bar there. And they were doing these. Uh, this one drink. It, it was a tequila shot with some Corona Lime and lime. grenadine, and grenadine. that was for the females. And for the males, they got beer. And then they, I think there was something else. I can't remember. But they were also pouring shots there as well. That was a that was a fun, very fun wedding to be at. <laughs> I think Whitney. Yeah, got no, toasted. that's good. I mean, gosh,
1: it's for the females. I'd still drink that over just regular beer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well the beer was definitely hitting good. The fact that I didn't have to buy the beer, I think that that was the plus. I think that's why it was going down so well. But True.
1: Yeah, anything tastes better when it's for free. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you ready to get this started? Yep, go ahead. What's working on the shadows? This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to bear river paranormal podcast the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent this podcast represents the views and opinions of david and shane and their guests to the show the views and opinions are for informational purposes only And because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Alright everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode of the BRB Podcast... We are going to be talking about public tours. And the do's and don'ts, our thoughts and opinions on them, stuff like that. We have a short story that we will talk to you about. We will be talking about our Eureka Nevada trip. And David has the 360 camera and the associated lights that go with him. So, any new updates with you, David?
1: Um, no. Same old. Yeah. Same old. Um, Potentially going to. uh, Well, see, April, you have that thing picture of. I'll I'll get an email a week before, but uh, I think in April we have that rock hunting thing we're doing in Wendover.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because it was wasn't it free or something like that.
1: Uh yeah, I got the tickets for it. Uh, we just got a. It's just a guided thing. We'll just go out there. We just have to bring our own uh, equipment to mine. Yep. But uh, yeah, I I don't remember the day. I know it was in April. It was like April eighth or something. But uh, I know you took a picture of the thing of what it actually was. And then in my email, it'll send me a reminder a week
0: before the event. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that. I knew that that was gonna come up eventually. I just couldn't remember if it was gonna be. Uh, quickly, or if it was going to be later on. Let's see. I know I did take a picture of it. I just need to find it. Ah, there it is. So, April... Which one did we sign up for?
1: Um... What are the options?
0: Uh, well, the thing that I took a picture of, it said April 2022, and then there's Gold Hill... Uh, Tacoma Hill Wendover Amethyst Centennial Eureka Mine Wendover Amethyst Okay, so it's 4-3 Is what it's telling me So what day is 4-3 That's a Sunday Yep Okay
1: So yeah, that's when we're doing that
0: Yep Hopefully, I'll have the expo done by then. So, I'm hoping anyway. We'll see what happens. It should be done, so. But we'll go from there. But yeah, that that one should be fun. We'll go get some amethyst. Hopefully. hopefully, Hopefully, we get something. Yeah. And maybe... We might be able to see exactly where people have been finding Black Obsidian out there as well. And then apparently there's Agate, too, if I remember. Was it Agate? Yeah, that'd be nice. So, I mean, it'll be
1: our first rock uh, excursion. Yeah. uh, That we'll probably do more, obviously, in the future. Um, But, yeah, very very looking forward to that just because it is a guided thing. And so I think we're probably guaranteed to at least find something because Mm -hmm. they're going to take us to an area where most likely is where stuff's at. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's good, and then hopefully once we go by ourselves into these remote areas and stuff, we can find stuff ourselves as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we. I have the one rock hounding book, and then I've been finding those maps online that I did send to you as well. So I do actually that one map that I showed you last time we hung out. Um, we definitely need to go up Blacksmith Fork and, and try to track down that one location where we can find some malachite and stuff like that
1: yep and then just the spiral jetty because i think we really need to get a shit ton of selenite if we can find it
0: yep yeah we definitely need to make a trip out there too so hopefully i should have everything done on the expo here soon so that way we can go to that one well yeah i don't have any updates on my end just make sure you you uh check out our group page where we post up links and pictures and everything like that that we talk about on every single episode of the brb podcast And we do have our merch store, which is in the description of this podcast. And it's also posted on our uh, Facebook page as well at the BRB podcast and Bear River Paranormal. So we definitely recommend you check out our merch, buy some merch, and it it helps us out to buy more equipment, go on trips. Uh, We also are trying to upgrade our podcasting equipment so that way we can bring you uh, better sounding quality uh, podcast episodes to you guys for the future. So we definitely recommend you check that out. Now, public tours, David. What are your thoughts on them?
1: Well, we've done them.
0: Yeah, numerous times. Um,
1: I mean, when we did the Union Station one, I really enjoyed that one. I think that um, one was
0: the best one personally.
1: It was. It was the best in terms of, I mean, they gave us a script and we walked through it and everything, and I pretty much just knew the stories and didn't read from the paper. It made it very interesting. I had some great experiences with uh, people doing the tours with me, and I I just liked how we had, like, a mini uh, exposition, you know, in in the center of Union Station, and -hmm. then the tours were going around and you still had people just walking in. I think that environment was the best tour that we've done
0: that one is slightly different from the other ones that we've been to you want to go over the two different kinds
1: yeah yeah so i think there's like uh, tours in terms of uh, just like uh, people going through like uh, i guess the best ones like uh, also 25th street they do the walking tour and i think yep. logan has the same thing where they just go in front of the historical buildings mm-hmm. and they just tell you like the history and stuff about it yeah and then you yeah. have the actual uh, like an actual paranormal tour Where it's slightly different from like an investigation, where you take people and you go through the actual inside of the building, and you know you kind of you can sit in a room for a minute, but you have your times where you have to move on to a next room. Mm -hmm. It pretty much gives them a chance to go through the building at night into some places where they wouldn't normally be able to during the day, uh, Mm -hmm. in in public. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, because there, as far as I'm aware of, besides Grim, ghost tours which is an actual entity where you actually buy tickets to go to their events and everything and it is a public investigation. Um, But there's three other places that you can go check these out. So Logan does the Haunted Tour during the month of October. Um, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, David, but isn't the one on 25th Street year-round or do they primarily hit it hard during Witchstock and uh, October? Um, Yeah, I haven't seen signs for it lately. I don't know if anyone's doing it
1: currently anymore or -hmm. not. Because normally uh, when you walk 25th Street, you would usually see a sign that says it. But I think primarily they do it uh, seasonally. Mm -hmm. I don't think they do it year-round right now.
0: Yeah, and then there's a a feller named uh, Danny down in Provo. He does haunted tours down there as well. Those are the only three that I know of besides Grim Ghost Tours that will actually is an actual company that hosts paranormal investigations at locations. Um, outside of that, those are the only ones that I know of. If there are any more, please let us know because we definitely want to check them out. But anyway, so Ghost Tours, you were con- before I cut you off, David, sorry, what were you saying?
1: Um, Of the Union Station one? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, how that whole thing was uh we did it 2 years. And the first year we did it was obviously the best. and The second year wasn't just because of uh management changes so they they did things differently. But the first yeah. year we were able to have like I think there was like 6 or 7 people that were able to set up booths in Union Station center uh and basically from there you know have their own little things and do their own stuff and Uh, sell some stuff and then while that's happening we were leading tours uh different group members were lead tours throughout the entirety of uh the union station which i think the tour lasted about uh, an hour each tour so each tour group was an hour yeah um and it was very uh refreshing and different taking people who virtually know nothing about the paranormal Uh, who are very newbies and just thought this would be an interesting experience and to take them through it and to try to like teach them some history and stuff and then just see like how they experience stuff that that was a very interesting thing to do because normally the difference between you know paranormal investigations when people do uh, public investigations versus tours most people know what they're signing up for when they're doing the public investigations, so they kind of mm-hmm. already have that but to get people just coming off the street wanting to do the tour that really don't know nothing about the paranormal was very interesting and different Mm-hmm. But overall, that whole experience that we've done, which is pretty much the only tour type that we've done, Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it. And I honestly wouldn't mind doing it some more in historical places like that. Yeah. And I honestly think some places could benefit from doing stuff like that, because if they really want people to come and uh, view the history and know that type of stuff and to get donations and for people to come in the day and do all that type of thing... Even though you may not want to, you're going to have to incorporate that there is a potential paranormal element to your building that you could not, I don't want to say exploit, but use to benefit to get more attention towards this building that you own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, if you want to do that in a historical way, Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to do it. But a lot of people out here just don't want to do that for various reasons.
0: Yeah. And then there's the actual public investigation slash public tours.
1: Yeah, I think they're relatively, I think they're different. You know, when you got different groups who are doing public investigations uh, and leading them. Because, I mean, you're still like touring them. But I I just think the people who are doing them are more specific because they're obviously following your group. They know when you're doing tours and it's word of mouth. Uh, Mm genuinely have experience and then use equipment because I think mostly during tours uh, there really isn't much of equipment being used Mm -hmm. it's more feel and then when you do public investigations there's more I think equipment involved whether the team has some for you to use or they use them themselves or you bring your own equipment to the public investigation is also where that differs
0: yeah because I mean, if we take a look outside of Utah, for example, so if you go down to Vegas and you go down to Zach Baggins' uh, haunted museum, he he does uh, tours there. So you purchase a ticket, you tour the the thing. They'll give you uh, history breakdown and and description of each room that you go in and everything like that. Then they do the uh, they do two different well. Before COVID, they were doing two different types of uh, things there outside of the tours. They were doing a, a guided tour paranormal investigation. Then you can opt to actually do a private investigation there as well. So that location can do all three prior to COVID. I don't know if anything's changed since then. I know Tim has mentioned a couple times on his podcast that... He actually got to go down there, or was it the Buku Boys that did the investigation? I can't remember. I think in the end, they, I think they all have done it at this point now. Yeah. So that is an option. Like, if you want to go outside of Utah, you can go do that. Uh, In Utah, there's the one name, Grim Ghost Horrors, and I think there's another one. (sighs) So, remember, I think it was when the first year or the second year we were doing conventions and we ran across that Southern Utah Paranormal Tour or whatever it's called. Do you remember that?
1: Well, I haven't heard of them lately, so... Not sure.
0: I'll have to dig back my memory or see if I found a a card or a pamphlet from when we were there, but I'm pretty sure there there was, at one point in time, another tour... company at a price utah that kind of hit more that area but i can't quite remember um but grim is an is a known name they usually go to like fear factory uh asylum 49 uh they've done events out at uh merker they've also they're very known for doing their events up in lava and then there's you know there's a few in between there um now the actual public investigation part of it depending on the team that you usually go with they'll either give you a little background a little history on the location they'll section you off into teams and then you rotate every hour and that one you can bring equipment or you can use the group's equipment see if you guys can can catch paranormal activity and stuff like that now us personally we have not Put on a public event investigation or a public tour ourselves. We have in the past assisted with the Logan Haunted Tour years ago. Uh, we have uh, assisted with the Ogden uh, Ogden City Union Station tour uh, for those two years that we had a booth there as well. But we and then we've also helped with public investigations either for convention purposes or for other teams' public events like down at Petite Neat or at Benson Grist Mill, stuff like that. Now, me personally, I don't particularly care for public investigations. I've said this numerous times on previous episodes. You know, the for our group, we primarily do residential investigations. Sometimes we do uh, business locations, urban legends, open areas, stuff like that. And with that being said, we don't really want to bring in the public when we do these kind of things because those are small, intimate, you know, client confidentiality, stuff like that. We have floated the idea of doing public tours or public investigations. It just hasn't really necessarily materialized for our group to do that. I mean, we have the knowledge and the know-how to do it, but we just haven't. Um, Let's see... David, what are your thoughts on public investigations? I mean, it's a great
1: way, I think if we want people to do things in a safe way, it, it we could do it to teach people. I think that could be the best part of doing it, you know, cuz there is just telling them, but then also applying things practically is the best way for people to understand things rather than just being told how something works. Yeah. So I believe that public investigations are good at uh, teaching people. And obviously for people who want to have uh, just enjoy themselves too is also good. Mm-hmm. It just, I guess it just depends on the line of whether or not uh, someone is wanting to do it uh, to make money mm-hmm. it is the difference. Cause I think there's a, a fine line where you can combine all three. You can teach people how to do things uh, safely in the right way. Everyone can have fun and you can make money a little bit on the side. I think there's a way to combine that. It's Mm -hmm. just, I guess, finding the balance of uh, doing it. Plus, you have to have the time and energy and passion to constantly be putting on uh, public uh, things, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is, you know, that's a lot of effort that I just don't think we have the time to do as of right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because there's, there's a lot of back-end stuff that you need to do. First, you need to find the perfect location, and then you gotta figure out what's a good number of individuals can we have in each group before it starts getting too much. Then we gotta figure out pricing on that. You know, how much is the venue gonna charge? How much overhead are we gonna have to charge on top of that? You know, there, there's a lot of different variables that go in with that. My biggest thing is I just I don't like the groups that do them all the freaking time and I've been to some of these public investigations where these groups are very known for doing so and it's kind of like a free for all which I don't really like personally I think a more structured event would be more desirable so let's back this up a little bit so back in the day before I even started Bear River Paranormal I was on a different team this team was trying to do say a public event at the whittier center back way back in the day so uh the way that they kind of had that set up was um they would do it in shifts so they they reserved both nights friday night and saturday night and the cutoff time was two hours so the first group of people that paid to go there there was it's a smaller intimate group It would say, for example, it'd be six to eight people, and they would have the whole entire building with the few few investigators for two hours. And then once their two hours was up, they would leave the location, then the next group of people would come in. So we had like three or four groups each night that would come in and do the investigation. Um, I kind of like that idea. There's been other groups that will have it structured to the point where they assign you to a group, you stay in one hour, say for example for like an hour, and and depending on the group they'll either have you write down and document what you experienced, what you felt in that particular area, then they'll have you do the same thing in the next area and the next area after that. And then at the end of the event, everybody kind of talks about their experiences, what they've written down and what, you, what they documented and everything, which I also like that route as well. It's more structured, it's more uh, kind of catering towards the public event, but then also, like what David said... It's a safe, safer way to do things. We get, you get to show them how to properly investigate, how to document evidence, what their thoughts and feelings were, and they fill out a service report in every service area, which I personally like as well. I just don't like when groups put on a public event, do their five, ten-minute speech at the very beginning, and basically say, okay, it's free-for-all, you guys go have fun, you know, and then everybody's doing their own thing. I don't like that at all. I personally don't like that. I don't like the fact that people can come and leave whenever they so choose to. Contaminate evidence. uh, They're ruining other people's night for being rude and loud and stuff like that. But unfortunately, that's kind of how some of these other groups do it. And personally, I don't like that. Now, with everything that I said, David, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I
1: mean... That's everyone does things differently for sure, and some people like structure, some people just don't like to be hindered. So it's depending on, on who you are as a person, but you know, as long as everyone is safe and having fun in the end, I guess it doesn't matter yeah. to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, it's a very interesting concept. I know people have dabbled with it before with keeping uh, journals uh, and not really like telling people what they're experiencing but writing it down in journals and then just at the end going through everyone's journals and realizing people are having the same experiences Mm -hmm. without like telling them so they weren't like tricking their mind thinking they're having the same thing but they're writing it down so that that helps further everyone's uh belief on what they thought was happening so that's by far one of the uh, best methods of doing something Mm -hmm. but uh i mean yeah i I'm not for or against it. It's just something that's there. I mean, I could be if we looked more into it and got more involved into it and wanting the passion to do it. But as of right now, it's just, it's just one of the things that it, it, it's, it's out there and it, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And with some of the examples that I gave David, what were your, what, what's your personal thoughts on should, should groups do like a free for all or should it be more structured?
1: Um, me personally, I would have a small combination of both. So have it be a structured format of like someone in charge, going from place to place, their their area and whatnot. But then once they're in that area, you could have the people do their own thing. You okay. know, I think that's probably the way I've done I've done things the most. Yeah. It is that way. So I find it so, oh, and then just be there. And if people have questions or, or anything, you're just there to, to help them or to help further, especially if it's a place that we've been to a lot, you know, because yeah. obviously if, if I'm going to lead a group in a place I've never been to, it makes it that much harder. So then I would just be in investigation mode and not even worry about anybody that I'm leading. Right? Yeah. So that, that could be a problem too with the whole free for all concept. If you have people who are leading essentially not know, the location itself because you don't know how dangerous it is or whatnot or areas that could be bad or Mm -hmm. what steps you'd have to do to protect everybody type of thing you know yeah but uh i mean i would lean i would lean towards a more structured side but i think there are elements of free for allness that could be incorporated at certain times
0: yeah now uh if i remember correctly didn't you help guide a tour at fair factory as well how did that one how was that one structured um it was not sphere factory it oh, was Asylum silent 49 not. oh it was silent 49 that's right yes and that
1: was like oh
0: god what three years ago now probably yeah i think so
1: i have the picture um i don't know if you want the picture but it was uh in 2009
0: yeah send it over and we can post it up for everybody see
1: okay uh but yes we did do that um they that originally one was asked the one with you Jen, right yes yeah they asked you uh, you weren't gonna be able to make it so you just sent me down there instead mm-hmm. um, and I helped them set it up uh, gave them uh, some ideas essentially and uh, probably a great way to do it and I mean the collaboration was really well um, I really like Jen and, and her husband uh, they're really good people mm-hmm. personally and I think they did uh, a good job uh, for what it was I mean we had access to both sides of Asylum 49, so probably that time was the most uh, anyone could have ever have investigated that building because even the yeah. other side, which is the haunted house attraction side, that was being gutted. Like they were doing a bunch of remodel work in that area, so it was uh-huh. really open. Uh-huh. And I think by far was that time in 2019 was probably the best time to investigate Asylum 49 they're probably where it will ever be because the other side, they were planning on turning it into office space and work like the whole hospital side. They were you cha- They're going to change that whole area, but they haven't done it yet. So they just had ch- chairs stacked. And so it was like also empty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was really good for what it was leading everybody. There was just a slight mishap with uh, a few uh, people who attended the event that did some uh, nefarious things that we don't condone and stuff like that
0: and we've talked about it numerous times in the past
1: but overall i think it was a success and i think people had a, a good time and the event turned out really well uh it was my first time it was my second time being there because i've been there once before so it was it's it's a nice place um Everyone has said it's like really dark and stuff, but I I haven't been negatively affected there yet. Out of the two times I've been there, Mm -hmm. I've had some interesting things happen and been witness to some interesting Mm -hmm. evidence, but honestly, nothing bad has happened. And even when we were there, uh, no one really got affected bad uh, when we did the group tour and everything. So, I mean, all in all, I think it was a success.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about it numerous times on the, on previous episodes about these particular individuals at that public investigation that was doing nefarious things. And so we definitely, definitely do not... Do not recommend that you do any of the things that we've talked about in the past when it comes to that group of individuals. Because that was, that was some bullshit right there. But I'm glad the issue got rectified and you still had a good time. And the way that they had that all structured... I, Seemed pretty good, wouldn't you say? Yes. I would agree. Awesome. So, for our Bear River Paranormal page, we have a pinned post where we tell people about the public investigations, conventions, stuff like that that's going on in and around Utah. Uh, as it sits right now, it's it's a pretty decent list. There's some options in, out there. There's some events going on in March, April, I think, May, June, August, September, October. You know, stuff like that. So there's usually a event each month that you could potentially go look at. And we tried to put the event link uh, in the description and everything like that on that post. There's been a time or two where they don't make a facebook event for it they just have a link for like evan bright or paypal or anything like that and we'll link those up as well uh but we definitely if you want to experience what a true investigation is like we definitely recommend checking out some of those links um there are some teams that put on events constantly and then there's some teams that rarely put on events so there's another team here in Cache Valley that only does the Whittier Center during the month of October. Um, and we usually advertise those when that time comes. There's another group down south in Santaquin area that they do public tours at like Petit Neat, Camp Floyd, Benson Grissmill, stuff like that. They're more known for doing tours. Uh, they're kind of more of like a free-for-all type tours as well so if you want to do that that's up to you then there is grim ghost tours where those are guided tours as well and there's other teams out there like the, um uh, like uh, Advanced Paranormal Services APS or Wisps however you want to call them uh, they sometimes do public tours in fact the last tour that I went with them uh, was for that farm I can't remember the name of the farm it was out there in Sandy I can't remember the name of it. Well, wow. but uh it was a pretty fun uh pretty fun investigation. That one was kind of a free for all, but it's also a super wide area. So, I that one would be kind of hard to do guided tours on, you know, unless you had like a little buggy to drive everybody around on. So that one was kind of a free for all. And then, of course, there's there's Grim Ghost Tours. There's uh, Paranosis. They sometimes do public events like at the Great Saltaire or the Anson Call House or at um, uh, the place right there in Bountiful, David. Why am I skipping the name? Not Bountiful, but Kays Cross. It's in Kaysville. Kays Cross. Kays
1: Cross. Yeah. Um, he hasn't done that one in a, in a minute.
0: Yeah, but that one's kind of more of like a summertime investigation because it's all outdoors. True. And, it, get, and it, it gets very muddy this time of the year in that area. So look for that one more so during the summertime. Now, your final thoughts on public tours and public investigations. Do you think people should do these or do you think people should stay away from these?
1: Um, well, I just think it just depends on who, who, who they're doing it with. I mean, everyone's experiences will differ Uh, from group to group, or place to place, or even individuality, so um, I definitely think it's something that we uh, should still, we still need in the paranormal community, Um, it just depends on how good the person putting it on is going to do it, but I think if it were to stop altogether, which I don't think will ever happen, because the amount of work you'd have to do to stop it altogether is yeah. impossible yeah um i just don't think it'll happen so I, it's gonna be around so yeah. i think instead of trying to do away with it it'll be trying to perfect it
0: yeah what i would personally recommend is if you want to if you want to go on a public tour or a public investigation do your research research the team that's putting it on if They're a more reputable team that always does public tours. I would see or reach out to some people that have been on these tours before and just kind of get an idea of what to expect. Um, But definitely do your research. Some of these other groups like Grim Ghost Tours, I believe they still have a bus that they could potentially transport you, but I'm not 100% sure. I do know at one point in time they did have a bus. I can't remember. And if I can remember the one down in Price Area, if I can find that information, I'll also post it up on the on the group page as well. But like I said, just do your research. Public tours and public investigations aren't meant for everybody. So, like for example, for myself, I personally wouldn't do them if it was giving me the option. If we were to put one on, you know... It'll be planned month, months in advance, and you guys will know about it and everything like that. And we've talked about it. I mean, we're, we're still kind of on the fence, right, David, about putting one on?
1: Yeah, like, like we've said, I think, before, we'd be willing to do something if enough of our followers and fans uh, requested of us that we would put something on for them, but... Uh, If no one's asking for it, we're not necessarily going to be trying to do it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I have had a couple people ask if we can do public investigations so that way they can join one, you know, but I, I would like to get a collective of like, maybe like, I would say probably 50 people. If we can get 50 people to request a public investigation, then I would think about putting one on, you know? and then we could probably just pick a good location depending on where everybody's located, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go to a location where it's too far out of everybody's way and then we get there and no one shows up, you know what I mean? So if we can get like 50 people that are very interested and would be willing to go to a public investigation, I'm sure we could put one on one weekend, like do a Friday night and Saturday night type of deal.
1: Right. Yeah, we could just split up the amount of people on on one day and then the other half on the other day.
0: Yeah. Which I think that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts on this particular topic? Or are you good? Nope. I think we're good. All right. So yeah, if we do any type of public investigation or public tours, we'll definitely announce it way in advance. And in fact, we might put out a poll on our Facebook page, both Facebook pages and uh, for one of the uh, for this episode as well. We might put up a poll and see what people say, see if you guys would be willing to come to a public investigation, depending on price and everything like that. Because obviously. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to make money off of you guys, so we will try to make it as cheap as possible for you guys. Obviously, we're going to make some money on it, but the majority of it is going to go towards the location wherever we go. So if we do end up doing it, we will uh, post up an announcement on that. Hey everybody, the sponsor of today's episode is Anchor, the platform that we use at the BRB Podcast for our podcast. Anchor is an awesome web based distribution type platform, kind of like Spreaker and some of those other platforms out there that allows people to host their podcasts. But here's the caveat there is no caveat, it's free. Free? Yeah, free. Unlike some of the other streaming platforms that we've used in the past, like Spreaker. They limit you on how many episodes you can upload. They limit you on how many demographics and charts and stuff like that that you want to see and see how your podcast is doing. So Anchor provides all that for free. You can upload. You can have as many episodes as you want for how long it needs to be. They give you all of the graphs and charts needed so that way you can keep track of your progress on how well you're doing for your podcast. And they also give you the option to help monetize your episodes as well by either giving you some sponsorships or you obtain some sponsorships. We definitely, definitely recommend checking out Anchor for all of your podcast needs because us at BRP Podcasts, we are a self-funded podcast. So the fact that we can use internet-based platform for free and they give us all the tools to make us successful, is why we give them two thumbs up. So we definitely recommend you check out Anchor. The link is in the description of this podcast. We would love for you to check them out and let them know that we sent you over to them.
1: Thanks, Anchor.
0: Now, this is a uh, short story that David sent over to to me to when we were setting up the, the set list and everything. It's called well, ladies, there you have it. David, do you want to read this?
1: Um, yes, I can do that. So, basically, the story is that uh, a Catholic priest uh, who's been dead for 48 minutes comes back and claims that uh, God is a female. So, this is in Massachusetts, which you know, a lot of crazy stuff happens out in that area, anyways. You're not right Um, there. Was officially dead for more than 48 minutes before medics were able to miraculously restart his heart, has revealed a shocking revelation that will change whether or not you believe him or not, your opinion on things. Um, He's a 71-year-old cleric father, John Michael O'Neill, who claims he went to heaven and met God, which he describes as a warm and comforting motherly figure. Uh, Father John Michael O'Neill was then rushed to the hospital on January 29th after a major heart attack but was declared clinically dead soon after his arrival. With aid of a high-tech machine called the Lucas II that kept his blood flowing to his brain, doctors at Massachusetts General Hospital managed to unblock vital arteries and return to his heart to a normal rhythm. The doctors were afraid he would have suffered some major brain damage from the incident, but he woke up less than 48 minutes later and seemed to have perfectly recovered and had no uh, physical or mental problems. Uh, The elderly man claims that he lived uh, as a clear and vivid memories of what happened to him while he was dead. He describes a strange out-of-body experience, experiencing an intense feeling of unconditional love and acceptance as well as being surrounded by an overwhelming light. He claims that at a point in his experience he went to heaven and encountered God, which he describes as a feminine mother-like being of light. Her presence was both overwhelming and comforting, states the Catholic priest. She has a soft and soothing voice and her presence was reassuring as a mother's embrace. The fact that God is a holy mother instead of the holy father. Doesn't disturb me. She is everything I hoped she would be, and even more. End quote. Hmm.
0: So that's his whole story. Which is interesting. It it is. So, here's the, the, the scientific side of my brain. So, they said that they were able to keep the blood pumping in his veins, all the way to his brain and everything. Usually... The heart is the one that's responsible for that and then while it's doing that and it's pumping the blood There's oxygen in your blood which would be delivered to your brain Now I would probably safely assume that they had him hooked up to oxygen because that was not specified in this little story But nonetheless uh, Surviving 45 minutes being dead to wake up and remember everything without any repercussions from it That seems to be pretty miraculous
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a very dangerous way of doing that because the fact that he didn't suffer any type of uh, injuries, mental acuity and brain function. I mean, I've never heard of that machine that did that. So there's not a way that the way it works could potentially basically be like a life support thing Mm -hmm. that kept all his bodily functions functioning properly and just waiting for his, I, I would assume his soul to come back because one of the things I've heard um, in in various stories that I've heard of people who like uh, have died and come back. uh, One of the things is they're always given the option to potentially come back, you know, Mm -hmm. and some, one of the reasons why they don't like if they're in a horrible car accident and uh, they're in this uh, transitioning period and a a spirit guide or angel or whoever you want to say comes to them and says, uh, you can potentially go back but your body is essentially destroyed and you won't be living much of a life they could
0: potentially choose whether to stay on earth or move move forward yeah and i mean there is the so if you split it down the middle there is always going to be the religious spiritual side of it and then there's always going to be the scientific side of it now the scientific side of it once you die once your blood stops plump pumping you stop breathing your brain starts transitioning into dying and essentially they've proven that the little ball of light that's at the end of the tunnel and the the closer you do, you walk to it the bigger it gets they have determined that that is the uh, brain cells and nerve endings dying within your brain hence why you're seeing that white that white light That's just the scientific portion of it, but there's been so many stories of people that have died and have been resurrected and came back to life and talked about it, you know, there's an there's equal parts to every single story. Now, some people have claimed that God is black. Some people have claimed that God is um, uh, not Muslim, but uh, from the Middle East, you know. Um, some people have claimed that God is white and then like this guy here he's saying that God is a female we never really know exactly who God will be you know what I mean there's always gonna be these claims of he's this person he's that person he's that person you know we never truly will know but I find it so ironic that this is the first time me personally hearing that God is a female and I don't know I think if this it's, is the first time you've heard that. I think it's whoever
1: the person associated with anything wants it to be in order to transition them comfortably. Because you have all this theory of uh, the different world religions that, you know, God is this, God is that. Their gods are different. But mm-hmm. I think in the end, it's potentially one solid thing. And it is who they think it is when they die because it'll help them transition over easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: you know, that's, that's a potential theory that is the reason why of the multitude of different religions instead of one major religion. It's because it, it was created for that specific uh, civilization, whatever at the time, mm-hmm. because that's what they needed the most in their time of need. And it just evolved to what it is for them because that's what they need in order to fulfill their lives. Yeah. But essentially the idea is it's technically all the same, but they're using the differences and everyone's different religions to help them deal with things in their day to day
0: yeah because there's been uh some people have talked about that your spirit guides or your guardian angels or your past family members are the ones that greet you when you officially pass away you leave your body and then they help guide you to the light to go see god i've heard theories on that too and i've also um another thing another scientific fact that will blow your mind So, there's... I can't can't remember the particular details and if I can find it, I'll post it up on the group page. But there was this one particular... I can't remember if he was a doctor or a scientist, but he actually had a body where he was doing an, an experiment where he was weighing the body when the body was alive versus when it was dead. Now, in theory, you would think that the body would be heavier dead because there is actually oxygen in your blood and oxygen is a lighter element than anything else that's within your body so you would think that your the body would be heavier when you pass away but this i can't remember if he was a scientist or a doctor um, he weighed the body when it was when the body was alive and when the body was dead and the body was actually lighter when it was dead than when it was alive. And I can't remember. I think they weighed it in grams because I think it was over in Europe that this happened. Um, but they weighed it in grams and it ended up being significantly lighter when here, he was here, dead. Here's
1: the point uh, Point on that, though. Did they take into account that when you die, your body uh, releases fluids and gases?
0: That I... Not a hundred percent sure, Not 100% because that would sure be a that.
1: factor in it. Because when you die, you know your bodily functions no longer cease, so you start to lose that. Like you know, there's cases where when someone dies, they piss themselves or they you know mm. soil themselves and mm. things like that. And then the decaying process is actually really fast, so you start getting lots of liquids oozing out of the mouth and other orifices as well that yeah. are associated with that body. So if I unless remember they took correctly, that I think account, they
0: weighed the body right after when the person passed. I can't quite remember though. I'm going to have to find the article and read over it again and I'll post it up. But that was the one particular part that stuck with me the most was the fact that the body weighed less after the person passed versus when the person was alive. And I think it was in that in that period where the body just, you know, the person just died and they've been declared deceased. You know, and then that's when they weighed it. I don't think they waited a week or two weeks to weigh it. I think well, it, was it doesn't take
1: long after. for the body to start decaying. It yeah, literally it takes hours. it doesn't. It doesn't
0: take long. It takes hours for the body to start decaying after when the body's clinically dead. Technically, unless they have it on life support for for trans, or transplant uh, reasons, you know, donors mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yep. But it's within hours the body starts decomposing.
1: But I guess the moral of your story is. is They're potentially saying that the
0: soul has some weight to it. Weight to it, yes. And right after you pass, your body gets a little bit lighter because you don't have your spirit inside of you. That's just another thing that that I've learned. Right. Well, it's interesting to think
1: about for sure. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that you have to take into a lot of different accounts of, you know, different things and how they work, whether or not that idea has any merit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that people uh do these types of studies that try to prove that there are paranormal existence in our world. And I think more studies like this should be done to to kind of pave that way, because I mean, and even this is twenty twenty two, there's still people out there that either believe the religious side of things or they don't believe in anything at all. There's not really anywhere in between. And so I would like to see more of these types of things come out where it's proving more and more that there are scientific evidence of the paranormal, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I I like it. It's definitely, a, once you start talking about this thing w- with religion and scientific and, uh, and all this different stuff, it starts muddying the water a bit and it's <sighs> it's harder to tread around uh, the topic without offending somebody. Um so it is definitely a tough subject to talk about but i mean i'm always willing to talk about it Mm -hmm. um i'm not saying anything i say is right or wrong it's just one of those things that i'm willing to talk about it and what i think or feel at the time and i'm willing to hear other sides of things and not judge anybody based on what they think
0: exactly but yeah that short story was definitely interesting i we would like to hear your thoughts on it so if you guys want to chime in on this definitely send us a message uh yeah send us a message if you're in part of the uh, bear river paranormal uh podcast group page we definitely recommend that you go check that out just uh request to be added in answer some simple questions and boom you're in and then you guys can ask your questions about this or your two cents on this particular short story that we talked about. And
1: definitely make sure you answer the questions because I've declined a few people because they haven't answered or responded to our admin questions.
0: Yep. It's mainly so, so that we, we can weed out all the spammers. And if you can't take the two minutes to read through the through the rules and answer the questions... It's not worth it for us to add you to the group. So we definitely want you to answer those questions. But any last thoughts on this particular topic, David? Um,
1: No, not really. I mean, I thought it was, a, in the end, the, the type of story it was, it turned, you know, it, it's a good story. Yeah. Ending-wise, I mean, the guy came back to life. Mm-hmm. He had a positive experience um, just where he thinks, you know, God is a woman. I mean, that's for him to to say but in the end he felt comfort so i guess it didn't matter who he was talking to he felt good so i mean it's definitely it was definitely a a good story i mean he definitely wasn't pushing the fact that what he believes now onto other people that's just what he believes now yeah so i mean overall i think it's a it's a very uplifting uh story
0: yeah and to to further your point you know the the whole preface of that story was the fact that he felt calm he was he he liked what he received he liked the feelings and everything like that and and his experience and everything and i think at the end of the day that's all it that really matters there's no point of arguing about it on one person's experience because that's what they experience there's no point of arguing about it so at the end of the day i think that's that's really a good a good story and it brings light to a few things alright so the Eureka Nevada trip that both you and I have taken now this was a uh, filming project filming trip for Paul Welch and he wanted to do the the Jackson house and That location was actually pretty cool. We did it, I'd say, what was it? November, I think it was, David?
1: Around there, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, The town itself, it's small. It didn't really seem that active town-wise anyway. I mean, we showed up Friday night, we investigated Saturday night, and we drove home Sunday or Monday. Or did we stay until Monday, David? I can't remember. I um, I think we Monday. left,
1: we left Monday because, yeah. yeah, well, I, I don't remember because I know I probably had to take work off for Monday just to get home, but
0: yeah, I think it was Monday cause we, we drove up after work Friday night. We took your truck. I do remember that we yes. were complaining the whole entire time. That it was dark <laughs> again. Yeah. No, another Nevada trip in the dark. Yep. <laughs> That's our um, life. Apparently and then we got to eureka i think it was around 10 or so when we got to eureka and then we unpacked the truck we got settled in and everything we talked to everybody then we ended up just going to bed and then saturday we checked out the town a little bit uh we did eat at a couple places um the cafe was pretty good i remember that place i think uh the owl club was really good the owl club was good as well
1: that was like our first dinner there
0: yeah um, the location and stuff. So we did a filming project at the Jackson uh, Hotel. Yeah, I think it's called the Jackson House. Yeah, the Jackson House. Jackson so House it's a, a home it's home. an old building that they converted over into a hotel. I think... Has it always been a hotel or was it converted into a hotel?
1: Um,
0: I think it's always so been a hotel. Like they had
1: like a little... Uh, a bar area and a dining room area. Then upstairs, I think it was probably—I don't I want to say a hotel, but maybe like a, a boarding house style, mm-hmm. or like maybe like the town's, like I don't want to say saloon, but like the type of place where everyone just kind of went and like you could stay if you wanted, you could drink, you can—they had like all the options. It was like the main hub, I would say, mm-hmm. of the place. But uh, yeah, because room-wise. It was just upstairs and I think there's like only like what, fifteen rooms?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: There's there's not a lot of rooms, if that. I think that's being generous, and a lot of the rooms are are tiny.
0: Yeah. And some but, uh, of the rooms were very spacious and which shared uh conjoining doors as well, so you can even have even uh bigger area. Our room wasn't too terribly big, but it wasn't small either.
1: Yeah, yeah true. Ours ours was decent. Um because it was one of those where it was one room that had two different beds Mm -hmm. Um, but then you did have the one rooms that we did investigate that it was like just a little bedroom and that was tiny
0: yeah there was a child's bedroom two children's bedroom that we checked out uh paul and those guys had the biggest suite out of the whole entire building if i remember correctly i think it was like two or three rooms
1: yeah, but it was a, it was a cool place. Um, I mean, you set up, uh, we did the very first time-lapse camera shot that we did ever. That yep. was a cool thing to, to do. Yep.
0: Because um, we did that, because they have a patio-type thing above the entrance. And the only way to access it, there was a, a door to go through and everything. You can sit up there and just relax, and I set up the uh, SJ7 Star that has not been modified to our our turntable for time lapses. And we had that thing out there for like, what, 10, 12 hours? I think so. Because we set yeah. it out there and, and then I took it down once it was well into the night.
1: Yeah, and we got a pretty good shot. Uh, but just to get a visual of what uh, it looks like so, right when you first walk in the front, you're met with an option to go up the stairs, uh to go to the right, which is the big dining room, and then they had their kitchen behind it. Or you can go to the left, which immediately had like their. Nice bar mm-hmm. uh, setup and some tables and chairs that were high up. And then when you went past that, there was another little room that looked like a, a dining room type esque. It had a really long table, uh, almost like a meeting room type. And then after that, you can go to a door that went outside. Yep. And then if you go up the stairs, you had a choice to go right or left. So mm-hmm. if you went to the right, you went down a hallway that forked again left or right and just down those ways were a bunch of rooms and our room was like one of the first ones and then if you go back to the stairs you went left you got another option to go straight or left again that went down to this uh room that uh was like a big spacious room but it was like a parlor sitting type room that had a bunch of like old mannequin dresses a piano a crib and it was like very decorated to what a lot of the period pieces of that time looked like Yeah, then you just had other rooms also down in that area as well yeah
0: yeah, it was definitely a pretty decent sized location it was uh, David and I were there, Paul was there, Zach was there Jerry was there and then there was these two wonderful ladies that were part of a paranormal group there in Nevada more towards uh, Reno area that joined us and they could only stay until Sunday so they ended up leaving Sunday so we only got to investigate with them for one night but I feel like the amount of activity that we captured there would definitely suffice that that place is haunted.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. We got a lot of stuff, uh, uh, both nights for sure. Uh, very interesting, uh, interesting filming process uh, that we did. Things that I, you know, I liked and things that we did. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish we, I want to go back there again for sure. Yeah. For a more uh private investigating setting rather than a filming setting yeah um because because normally i like to do it the other way around i like to investigate a place first and then film it second uh, uh, another time you know what i mean yeah but i guess it could have been different to where if we did that and we got all this amazing evidence and invest and experiences prior to filming, and then the second time we filmed and we didn't get as much, that would be obviously a lot different. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what we would get with it being flipped to where we filmed first, and if we investigate it now, would we get as much activity, or less, or more? It'd be interesting to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that you bring up an excellent point, because we did the same thing when we did uh, Meteoriff. We filmed their first, and we investigated their second. And I feel like we got more activity the second time around than we did the first time around.
1: Right. So I definitely would like to take uh, the group out there for sure because Mm -hmm. it is an awesome area, place, and it was good food, good times. The weather out there was really nice. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed it. I know particularly when we spent the night because I think this is like one of the first times we've ever spent the night at a location before. Yeah and uh i mean me classic me i just fucking whatever happened i slept through it but you you had something happen in our bedroom
0: yeah so i was laying there watching my youtube shows uh winding down to fall asleep and while i was left was it while i was no i was trying to fall asleep that's what happened so i was trying to fall asleep so usually for me it takes me a while to to wind down to fall asleep and so usually i watch youtube or whatever and then i'll lay there and and wait for the time to come for me to fall asleep. Well, I was just right there. So have you ever been at that stage of about ready to fall asleep, you're just right there and then something happens and it wakes you right up? That's one of those times. Um, A bag of coffee was flown off of the dresser and onto the floor. At the time I didn't know that's what happened. All I heard was a noise woke me up and then it took me forever to go back to get to that point again to fall asleep. That was the only thing that happened. And I didn't didn't know exactly what that was until the next morning when we got up and I saw the bag of coffee on the floor. And I was like, huh, that wasn't there last night. Um, I don't remember if anybody else had anything weird happen during our stay there. I don't think the girls said anything. And I don't recall Paul and those guys ever saying anything either.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think they had much experiences that night but you definitely did and me when i when it's time to bed i sleep yeah
0: (laughs) there's not much that
1: could happen that he was out like a light to to freak out
0: the only weird thing that happened that whole entire trip was that lady and her kids staying there that was the only weird thing
1: that was weird so yeah we we essentially we're supposed to have the entire building to ourselves but there was someone who uh rented a room there and like i mean throughout the whole night i mean that they didn't leave they barely left their room yep which was weird like even during the daytime they like were constantly in their room so i mean we had to keep that in mind in terms of evidence wise but really they weren't really contaminating much of our evidence but Mm -hmm. it was still weird nonetheless
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah we done we did the interview at the bar that's uh, when Paul was filming us and we were drinking uh, during the interview process, Zach uh, did a, like a, a equipment overview overview in the room behind the bar. Uh, yeah, the I would say probably the most active part of that whole entire place was the dining room and the kitchen, though.
1: Yes, which I actually didn't spend a lot of time there. That was mostly uh, you and the girls.
0: Yeah, you did do a. Uh, obsession with, I believe it was either Mish or the other girl.
1: Oh, yeah, with uh, the board? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried it. I dabbled. I, I, I'll i try anything once, so I definitely tried it. It was like basically a spirit board, not a Ouija board.
0: Yeah, it was a seer board.
1: Yeah, that, you know, had stuff on it and but you use a pendulum over it. So, the spirit's using the pendulum, not me. And basically whichever direction the pendulum is pointing towards you're supposed to use that so i mean i tried it but i mean i didn't care too much for it wouldn't really yeah. do it again honestly
0: yeah and the most hilarious part of that whole entire night was when paul busted out that huge ass black dick candle And yeah, had it was, on the table that was nice right and no one noticed it until everybody noticed it but well, those are kind of the pranks that we try to play on each other when try to lighten up the mood a little bit. But, yeah, that trip was fun. It was definitely a good time. We definitely appreciate Paul and those guys inviting us out to, to film out there. Um, I do, if I remember correctly, I do believe he has the episodes out. I think he cut them up into the miniseries. Do you remember? if he? Yeah, he,
1: like, released them. It was, like, 13 different little things that, like, he did, like, yeah, chunks. Mm-hmm so it's not one whole thing it's like definitely chunks of it Yeah. but uh, I mean for what it's worth I mean it's it's still nice yeah I liked them
0: and I will uh, find them and I will post up the links uh, and the uh, group page as well so that way you guys can watch it but it's definitely worth going out there again. Uh, the one little store, the little uh, cafe there, they were selling some homemade jams and syrups and everything like that. Did you ever end up cracking into your jams? Were they pretty good?
1: Yeah, I think they're long gone. That's for sure.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth checking out, and that's one of the things that I like to do. If I go to a small town and I see that they make like products right there on site or whatever, I'll try to buy it. Like there's a there's a place up in Soda Springs that sells you know um like uh not boysenberry but the other the other berry that's really hard to find huckleberry there we go huckleberry, huckleberry. um they had syrups there and, and uh salsas and jams and everything like that so i dabbled in a little bit of that as well so i like to like to to sample some of the offerings that each town likes to provide you know that's made right there on the spot
1: oh yeah the homemade stuff's always good for sure that's I think why we like that place the most but I I do think the food service and quality of the owl was by far the best yeah but the breakfast of that place was uh, of that uh, other place I can't remember the name
0: yeah yeah Um,
1: I really enjoyed that
0: yeah, it was a good breakfast, and the and the bar was actually really good, and surprisingly enough, like I I'm a I'm a rich person in a poor person's body, so I like my really expensive liquors, and for some reason here in the state of Utah, no one doesn't know what DiSorono is, and the fact that I could get a DiSorono sour in a small little podunk town in middle of BFE, Nevada, you know that just kind of blows me away that I can't even go anywhere in Salt Lake City to get a rono sour but I can go to a small little town of like 2,000 people and get a decerrono sour which I yes. thought was a little a little uh, funny but
1: one of my top drinks for sure
0: yeah yeah yep that trip was good the location was great the town is wonderful um, we definitely recommend you checking it out it's probably a little bit more active during the summertime than it is during the winter because that's the time that we went and we thought that practically mm. the place was dead. Literally. But right. it was it was fun, though.
1: No, I still liked it, yeah. And in fact, I prefer it to be there when it's a little less crowded, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially if we can get that whole whole entire place to ourselves again. That would be worth it. Yeah, that'd it. be nice. Definitely worth it. So, the 360 camera and associated lights mm. that uh, you can get with it or you can buy from other manufacturers as well. Now... David, what's the specifications on this 360 camera?
1: Yeah, so it's one of those things that I uh, just got uh, on a whim for some reason. Um, I think we've only used it once. And even then, uh, something happened to where we lost the video file for it. Um, I mean, I've tested it tons of times. I really like it we yeah. just have never really used it yeah but uh so it's the 360 ghost cam it's uh the one off of ghost stop uh i mean it's i mean it is expensive it's a 600 dollars camera yeah for sure but uh i mean yeah it does uh it's called the 360 fly so that's like the company that made it mm-hmm. uh, i mean it is a 4k camera um that is uh, 360 degrees. Uh, they do have like an IR puck light that goes with it that's sold separately. Yep. Uh, and a mounting thing and, and all this stuff with it.
0: it um, didn't but, uh, uh, Rich uh, come out with a 360 light as well?
1: Yes, he did. And I asked him specifically um, the ability for him to make me one because he made it specialty. So he didn't have it like for sale. He just has made one. For a 360 camera before mm-hmm. and i asked him if he can make one for me and he did it more specifically uh inclined for like the horseshoe mouth and stuff that i uh, i wanted for yeah. it um so, so yeah he did make me uh, the light it's like a square light and it has a big ir light on each side so you mm-hmm. can use it for that and we've actually used that uh 360 light uh for filming before to where we uh tilted it sideways so like Mm -hmm. a corner is facing the direction of the camera and essentially the ir lights are bouncing off uh to the side almost but like like right angles kind of Mm -hmm. and they they help bounce off the wall and help uh light up the area without doing uh too much uh bleed of ir because once once you hit somebody with an ir directly and you point the camera at them it like whites out their face and there's too much ir bleed through yeah so doing it that way was a way to saturate the area with ir without doing too much direct ir on something Mm -hmm. but uh, that light was really nice and i I really love that light for sure but uh i mean the camera itself is really nice it does have i think a microphone built in and and all that and Mm -hmm. the specifications on it there 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 is a lot of uh specifics on it for sure um it is supported by uh android ios uh mac windows pc uh all, all that stuff for sure uh, you you would definitely have to read more of the specifications of what you would need it for mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's not that long of life i don't think that it uses i think standby time is up to 14 hours and then battery life recording time is up to like an hour and a half. So it's definitely yeah. something that you have to use wisely because it wouldn't last that long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's a cute little camera. It works. It just, we just haven't used it.
0: And the biggest thing, so I like the fact that they came out with an infrared uh, 360 camera because honestly, that, 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 Clears up a lot of headache when you're doing um, paranormal investigations and you're and you're going over the evidence and everything. Cause that the whole reason why we switched over to GoPro style cameras was because we just got so sick and tired of the point and shoot tunnel vision type cameras, like the handy cameras and everything like that. We like the fact that it does 160-170 to degrees of viewing angle, so you can literally put it in the corner of a room and you can see from, you know, the whole 170 degrees of viewing. So you can practically see the whole damn room, okay? What I really love about the 360 camera is you can put it in the middle of the room and it will record everything, you know? Which is great. But there's some problems with it. Now, when David initially got it, David had a phone that was not supported by the application that came with the device, so David had to upgrade his phone. I think we were able to get it to work on my tablet, I think, or what? No. My tablet would not work. It worked on my phone. Um, because you had a lower budget Android phone at the time, and I had the, uh, Had the M9, HTC M9, back in the day when you bought it, and it worked fine for my phone, but it did not work for your phone. When I got it, say what?
1: I think I had an Android phone when I got it. Yeah,
0: you had a more budget Android phone when you first got it, and it wouldn't work with the type of phone that you had, but it worked Mm. with mine. Um, and then you upgraded yours to Apple, and I don't think have you tried it with your Apple phone yet?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: So. Because I when I know tested when, it yeah.
1: and last time we used it, I lived at the trailer yeah, and so it's been at least three years since last time I used it.
0: Yeah. And we tested it. I mean, you have to use the app to be able to see the, the video files and everything. And if I remember correctly, now you can tell me if I'm wrong, David, but wasn't it supposed to record videos and then send it to the phone or was there an SD card and spilt into the camera?
1: yes i don't believe there's an sd card in the camera so you have to rely specifically on it uploading to your phone so i think the other thing with the 360 camera is you have to have wi-fi in order for it to work properly
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i think that's been the other uh trepidation with it yeah
0: and we were able to get it to save on the video files on my phone but for some reason that it didn't work or it got lost or something i can't remember and then i do know i tried to pull it into my editing program it would not recognize the type of file format it was so i tried to use my other program to change the file format and it ended up not working the way that it was supposed to so there's still a learning curve to it and and since it's been out for so long i'm sure they've already fixed all the bugs and everything we just need to update the the application and go from there um but it's definitely worth trying out again i definitely want to play with it a little bit more because i really think it would be great because i mean like i was saying you know if you that's why we went away with those point-and-shoot cameras and started going with the gopro style so that way we can get the whole entire room and the fact that you can put this thing in the middle of a room and it will record everything that's a huge plus we just need to figure out how to get it to work properly and then we would need to set up a dedicated phone for it to save the videos to us so we can upload it to google drive and then download it and all that good jazz so it's definitely not as user friendly as say like just a normal gopro or any of the other pieces of equipment that we have but while we were playing with it it was nice to see that you know you set it in the middle of the room and you can see everything so if anything were to happen it would capture it you know right
1: and you can actually go on there and change the view so you can view it in a 360 format or you can change it to where it's a specific zone and then you can just rotate the camera and see the point of view from each area as you rotate it yeah and that was the other thing too
0: i noticed as well someone has to literally be on top of it to keep it going as well so we would have to have like a dedicated base camp and have someone sitting there monitoring that particular camera as well
1: yeah because it'd be good because it's just one of those cameras that you can't like move through the app so it, it, it is a nice camera to where you can have it in the room and basically see in the whole room what's going on without physically going into the room so it is something that could be useful but like i said its battery life is only an hour and a half and that's it's maximum so yeah probably and didn't we try using
0: it Didn't we try plugging it into a power bank and it didn't work either
1: yeah i don't i'm not sure if it works with the power bank or not
0: yeah we'll have to play around with this some more it's definitely worth trying it out i mean you, you spend 600 bucks on it we might as well bust it out every once in a while and record something true because there has been a time or two where that camera could have came into use, especially in a wider and uh, room. That would have worked. But.
1: Yeah, I would like to use it more. It's just been one of those where we haven't done an investigation investigation that didn't require cleansings that we could just sit down and do that. Everything's been clientele type houses that we really haven't had the need for it.
0: Yeah, agreed. But would you... Would you say that it is? uh, Would you recommend this piece of equipment to our guests? I would recommend it for someone who's more experienced.
1: I think this is definitely a um, more advanced level of camera work because, like you know, once you start getting into these cameras that are expensive, I mean, you gotta you gotta be able to to understand how it works and specs Mm. that you want to do properly and. very tech savvy when it comes to this particular camera Mm -hmm. that i would say probably not the average person would be able to to do yeah but i mean if you definitely have i would like to see more of it for sure being used but again it's one of those i mean can you justify getting it but i've never seen anyone else other than me have this camera so yeah it is definitely interesting um I don't know what the reviews on it are, actually, if many people have
0: um, reviewed it. And while you're looking that up, David, would you say that the difficulty level of the uh, 360 cam is on par with the Paranormal Puck too? Because I feel that that one also has a steep learning curve. I think the, paranor- the the Puck... I think the Puck's... I mean... I think this is better
1: than the Puck. Mm-hmm. Because, in the end... it. it it's a camera mm-hmm. right so i mean it does work where the puck that's up in the air whether or not that works or not
0: yeah i was just thinking more or less because uh, both of them you have to use an app for both of them to work and right. what I, gu- I guess what i'm asking is with the app and the features that it has for the paranormal puck 2 do you think it's probably as for it's more for advanced users like the 360 camera
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. But I just think the puck's more up in the air of whether or not it works correctly. But the Ghost Cam actually has no reviews. So I don't don't even know if anyone else has ever bought it besides me.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because it's been out for, they're still selling it on their website, right?
1: They are still selling it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's its own thing. Like, they literally have their own thing that says 360 Ghost Cams. And they have a few things that go with it. Um, they have a, I mean, they have a, a rig that, I mean, it's also up there with in price, but it's literally a 360 uh, camera rig that it sets up three different uh, cameras that are, you know, GoPro style mm-hmm. on this rig that are in a 360 fashion that comes with the puck light and everything. That could be more on par because that's more simpler for people to use, but yeah. that just means. Evidence-wise, you have to mm. go through three cameras. Okay. So that would be more sloggy, but I mean, yeah, um, yeah. If you if you look up on uh, their thing and go 360, they have the the ghost cam and then the 360 camera rig package,
0: okay. which they're
1: essentially the same amount of money. So it just depends on uh, what you want with that. But I think even the 360 camera rig, it has two reviews um, that I'm assuming they're probably fine for what they are yeah but let me look at them so yeah oh they said it works but it makes sense that it works it's just three cameras so essentially you just got to go through three times as much of uh evidence yeah for essentially one room or wherever you place it you know you're just yeah. doing three times the work for essentially one area.
0: Yeah, which personally I wouldn't recommend doing that because that's a lot of that's a lot of shit that you have to cycle through. So if you have the only way rigs, that would make it bearable
1: is if you can view all three cameras
0: at the same time.
1: At the same time, so I have it like a triple split screen. Yeah. and have each screen up at the same time and you're basically watching the, the point of view of all three cameras at the same time that yeah. is built into it looks like one room basically
0: which that would be interesting to try um i know because we use we personally use vlc to review audio and video before we clip them and and send them off to our clients and everything like that that's just for the initial going over the the uh camera feed and audio and stuff like that I do know with VLC, anytime you try to open up two different things, it doesn't work unless they've changed some things on it, but last time I tried it, it wouldn't allow me to view more than one screen at a time. So unless they changed it, or unless there's another program out there that will allow you to watch three separate streams at one time, that would be uh, that would be a good thing to have if you're going to have that set up, but if there's nothing out there. Program-wise, I will do that. So if you've got three cameras in a 360 fashion, you record it for five hours, that's 15 hours you have to go over per, you know, five hour per camera. So you're causing more work than what it's worth. It just would make it more sense just to put it in the corner and you can see the whole entire room anyway with one camera.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's a hit or miss thing, but... yeah i think the 360 camera has more of a variety of ways to explore it instead of using a dvr system you're basically using that instead
0: yeah so i, w- I wouldn't say we can completely approve of this for everybody to check out and everything like that i think some more testing and more trial and error is going to be needed before we can absolutely recommend it to you guys it is an expensive piece of equipment. Like David said, it's like $600 just for the camera, right? Yes. So that's not including any of the lights that you're going to need. That's not including any tripods that you're going to need. So, I mean, you're looking at about $1,000 for this camera with the lights, tripod, whole nine yards. So if you're if you want to check it out, drop the $1,000 for it. You're more than welcome to do so. You can try out that other rig that David was talking about with the three different GoPro style cameras, uh, but if there isn't a program out there where you can view three video streams at the exact same time, it's personally wouldn't be worth it either. But we'll definitely retouch on this topic after when we play with it some more, and then we'll give our honest assessment on it and our recommendation on it if there is any. Um, any last words you want to add in, David? Uh, nope. All right. So we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the BRP podcast. Our next episode that's going to come out, we are going to be talking about energy, vortexes, triangles, and the earth. Uh, We will also be talking about another game. It is called Um, And we will be talking about Benson Grissmill as a whole every trip that we've went out there we're just going to talk about it as a whole and then we may include some audio evidence particularly the last time we were out there at Benson Gristmill we may add in a little tidbit of uh, EVP evidence Uh, if you listen to our good friends over at the EVP podcast they have actually already played one of our EVPs that we got when we we're attending one of Tim's potlucks at Benson Grismill. So if you haven't checked them out, we definitely recommend you checking it out. Um, and then we will also be talking about the Trifield Meter. We're going to be talking about the original OG analog and the new digital version that David actually has in his possession. But we thank you so much for listening to us and you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.